Hello, everyone. Welcome to the very first MVP Interactive webinar. My name is James Giglio, the CEO of MVP Interactive, and I will be your very gracious host today. As, you're, as you are aware, today we are going to talk about how to drive revenue through AI and AR experiences. So I'm very pleased to announce a wonderful panel of guests that are thought leaders in not only the sports sponsorship and technology space, but also in brand management. So today we're just going to kick it off by introducing our esteemed colleagues and guests. Um, Michelle Raguso is the head of experiential marketing for CAA. Michelle, welcome. Thank you for joining. Thanks for having me. It's nice to see you. And next, we're going to introduce Christine Stahl, who is the head of product marketing for Intel Sports. Hello. Hello there. Thanks for joining. Great to have you. Uh, next, we are going to uh, pass it over to Don White, who is the CEO of Satisfy Labs. I love this square introduction thing. Hi, Don. Yeah, it's the big reveal. He's, he's, he's going to be the troublemaker of the group. But uh, without further ado, we're going to bring in Amir Zanzani, from, is the president of Zoomf. All about the squares. Let's go. All right. And bringing up the rear here, we are going to introduce Bob Lynch, the CEO of Sponsor United. Thanks, everybody. And thanks for having me as last. Appreciate that. Well, you know, that's the closer, right? That, you know, if this was a comedy set, you would be the, the headliner. How's that? <laughs> so real important, before we get into the questions, I just want to encourage all of our guests while we're uh, going through the room, going through our questions, please be sure to ask your questions right there in the chat. Uh, we'll have about 10 to 15 minutes uh, at the tail end of the uh, webinar to, to kind of go through your questions. So um, really excited to see what the audience has to say. And um, I can guarantee our, our experts here will be able to satisfy all of those questions. So as we get into it here, so before we get into the future, we obviously want to talk about how we've all had to adjust through this past year in the pandemic with COVID. Now, as someone who runs a technology company in live events and sports, this was pretty challenging, as you can imagine. So we had to get very smart with how uh, we brought value to our marketplace and our clients. And so uh, AR experiences, uh, web AR experiences was one that uh, really seemed to take off. And, you know, as we look back uh, in the history of technology in our time frame, I believe WebAR is going to be one of those marquee technologies that are going to be in parallel to, uh, you know, this time frame and what brands were able to do uh, to uh, connect with their consumers and drive revenue uh, through these WebAR experiences. And so, uh, Michelle, uh, you know, Given your uh, background as the head of experiential for CAA, working with a host of brands, you know, you were really forced to, uh, you know, obviously um, adjust how you and your, your company serviced your clients. So why don't you talk to us a little bit about um, the type of technologies that you had to adjust and really get into um, transitioning through COVID? Sure. I appreciate that you didn't use the word pivot because it's like the last word I ever want to hear ever again. Um, but yeah, so so I sit within the CA brand consulting group, specifically helping brands think about how to activate their sports and entertainment sponsorships. And so the first thing we did when when COVID hit and everybody 
you know, and, and we were in quarantine was really thinking about the safety of consumers and fans. And so for, for a brand and, and as they were thinking about it, you know, we were advising them first and foremost on, on safety, but quickly from that point, the conversation switched to, well, how do I maintain a dialogue and how do we maintain a connection with these consumers and fans? And it was a very smart question, but we were also hearing, how do we take what was already planned for as a live event and make it a digital or a virtual event? And it wasn't really the right question because they didn't necessarily translate in the right way. And I think what we all saw very quickly was the rise of Zoom and live streams, which was ultimately this sort of passive experience. And while it was a really great initial way to maintain that conversation with consumers, um, what we realized is it didn't offer the ability to be immersive and interactive, which was really when we started to turn to companies like MVP to better understand what some of the more um, sort of innovative technologies and and what how we could sort of leverage that to build deeper emotional connections, considering the circumstances we were all living in. So, you know, things like integrating chat functions and polls and trivia would were seemed sort of simple, but actually were so impactful. Um, and while we were doing that, we were also parallel pathing along with um, our colleagues internally within CA Brand Consulting on looking at both from a data and analytics perspective, how do we sort of negotiate make goods to reallocate some of those contractual assets to support this way of connecting with consumers. And then of course, from an insights and cultural and consumer trends, really making sure that we had, if we didn't already had clarity around what was, where were some of those passion points so that, you know, when you're sitting in front of a computer all day and you've got multiple screens and Amazon deliveries and CNN alerts, how do you keep people um, engaged? And so really diving deeper into the insights of the consumer and what their passion points are, we really wanted to, we started to develop plans in collaboration with our tech partners to really bring that to life kind of cohesively. Right. And, and so a lot with insights and analytics, you know, the main driving technology there is artificial learning or AI or machine learning. And so although that there's a lot of magic on the front end, you know, the technology on the back end is really what drives that insight and, and really helps your brands, you know, learn about the consumers. So with that said, um, Amir, if you could just talk a little bit about what your company does and then maybe um, speak to how your platform um, sort of ties into the analytics piece and in, in, in terms of social and what you've experienced over the past year. Oh man, James, you messed up having me go second. I'm going to talk the whole thing. So just tease <laughs> me at any time if I nerd out a little too hard, but uh, awesome question. And, and Michelle crushed it, right? I mean, it's all about data. It's all about understanding consumers. How do we fit in? If we know the fan better, we can provide a better experience. At the end of the day, I mean, uh, the, the main shift here is sports teams are no longer event companies. 
they're media companies and we're finding ways to engage and interact with these fans. We use a number of different technologies to help inform brands, you know, teams, uh, leagues and, and agencies on, on how to best understand one, the fan, who, who's there, who's engaging, who's interacting, what do they care about? And then two, understanding the performance of their content that uh, is more and more living on digital, whether it's an AR activation like the Titans Bureau while you guys did amazing stuff with Tennessee Titans with MVP Interactive. What is the value of that for brands that are getting involved? What is, you know, to them, what is that interaction? So one is we're using AI and, and that's merely just robots helping us do things that people used to do by hand with a stopwatch, believe it or not. And uh, I, I feel like uh, like an old man just even being able to reference something like that. But we're just leveraging AI to identify logos and assets. So uh, as, as partnership deals are being made, they got contractual assets, whether it's the basketball stanchion or uh, court signage or field signage or the tarps that was big during the, the MV, uh, dur during the whole COVID and everything. So we're analyzing that media content and we're understanding what the value is for the exposure, the clarity, the logo size, basically decoding attention and brand recall. How do we, how do we effectively understand if fans are interacting and engaging with it? And then uh, we use machine learning and, 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 and different technologies to understand the people behind that and audience analytics. Uh, and so there's a number of ways of, of using these different technologies to, to, at the end of the day, help articulate the value. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the content that is so critical and important. And so that's you know why I say you have to focus like a media company when you're in the sports businesses. You see the last dance. You see Drive to Survive. You see content. You know everyone says attention is is nine seconds. We'll explain why I binge you know Netflix series like it's nothing, right? It's it's the quality of the content and understanding that value of it. So whether it's uh, you know and I don't want to steal Christie's thunder here with TrueView and what Intel Sports is doing with providing these dynamic uh, um, you know sort of experiences that are immersive. But we need to understand the differences. We need to segment this. And, and that's what we do. At the end of the day, we're the nerds behind this, the screens, helping understand what the value is and helping understand what fans want. Sure. And Amir, a quick question. Um, you know, given the year of being home and, and how we consumed content changing, uh, with your social analytics platform, did you necessarily see a spike in any particular tranche of uh, industry with brands that really were out in the front end of, you know, social engagement and what that amplification or impression rate looked like? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, uh, everyone had to, uh, I'm so sorry, Vishal, pivot, right? Everyone had to change the plan of how they interact with digital. It was the only safe way to interact with fans. Social content just took it to the roof. Everyone saw the opportunity here. I mean, the pause in live sports, that enough showed how important it is, how it's a fabric part of our culture, you know, talking about passion points with, with what Michelle was saying. I mean, it's, it's people get tattoos. It's, it's stronger than some people's relationship to their own religion with their sports team, right? That sense of community and understanding. The only way to interact was digital. So we saw a lot of organizations get really uh, clever and creative with how do they reach fans at homes? How do they keep their attention? How do they provide experiences that they will remember, right? Uh, whether it's an augmented reality sort of experience through an Instagram story, or they go to a physical location, it's safe and they get a digital immersion. But there's a blending that's happening between digital and physical. And that catalyst was us being at home, us not being able to be in person, and humanity found a way to find connection, find you know that way to, to, to grow. A uh, lot of great brands did a lot of exciting things. 
uh, to, to really push the conversation, to really push that ability to fan hard, right? And, uh, you know, and I'll give cr credit to Christy again, right? Like with uh, TrueView, and I, I don't want to steal our thunder, but like that is just one of the most immersive ways to get involved and, and really understand that space. Um, you know, understanding questions like where people are streaming, where people are interacting. Satisfied Labs is doing some really great stuff there. Bob's helping everyone understand what relationships are working or what trends are happening within the sponsorship space. How can brands be creative? And Michelle's helping people understand on the brand level, well, what really works and what doesn't and how can we take this to the next level? I think everyone here has had a role in the shift of everything that's happening. And uh, on our side, we're just seeing fans want to engage digitally. They will. Social media is a great opportunity for them. It's a great opportunity for the brands to understand what do they care about. And, and, you know, apologies to the brands, but they're not there to save the sport anymore. It's an advertising play, right? They want to, what have you done for me lately? How to engage? And for them, you know, to leverage that connection between fan uh, and, and use it through a digital experience, they need to show that this is helping them move their product service in some kind of capacity. And I just think that the, the two, you know, the toothpaste is out of the tube. We're not going back to what it was and that's okay. We're evolving and we're changing and we're creating these digital experiences. Helps us better understand the fans because now it's all digitally able for us to pull that information insights. And uh, I think fans are, are, are couldn't be happier. I think uh, you're seeing engagement levels rise. Uh, we just put out a report in NASCAR. They saw you know 19% increase in Gen Z interaction, esports, and what they're doing there. It's uh, it, this this is fun. This is exciting and. You know, I want more digital and I'm a little biased, but I mean, I think this is, this is pretty awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what, what excites us and um, speaking for Michelle as well as someone that's inexperiential is now really being uh, focused on that holistic picture where it's not just at event or in venue, but now what it is pre uh, event, what it means digitally, what it means post and really having that holistic picture. So uh, you had mentioned Intel and Christy a couple of times, and I'm really excited to learn a lot more about this true view product that Intel has rolled out and deployed. Uh, I previously knew and experienced the actual um, technology, uh, despite not knowing its name. So Christy, before you go into explaining TrueView, if you could uh, tell us a little bit about your role with Intel and uh, what TrueView does, and then how you were able to actually work with Amir and his team at Zoom and, and gather the insights through uh, the AI. Yeah, uh, thanks for having me and, and thanks for uh, setting the stage for me, Amir. That's super helpful. Um, so I had a product marketing and partner marketing at Intel sports. Um, and so, um, I've been here for about five to six years and really we've been on this journey trying to work with our partners, which includes, um, leagues, teams, broadcasters across the globe to create these new immersive media experiences for fans. Um, we've really seen over the last five years, this trend that fans, especially younger fans, they're looking to go digital. They're looking for snackable content. They're more and more on social platforms. And so we're trying to work with um, our partners to create these new engaging immersive experiences that give fans interactivity, personalized content and new perspectives. And so I think in the chat, they were going to post an example. Um, it's always easy when you're easier, when you're talking about video, just to show the video, than try and explain the video. So um, feel free to watch that now or, or, or later after this. Um, but really TrueView 
um, the platform that we've built, it leverages volumetric video, um, artificial intelligence, computer vision to be able to create these virtual views of the game so that you can really reconstruct that play and see it from any perspective. So as a fan, I can get down in the quarterback's shoes and I can look left and right and I can better understand the decisions that, that he made. Um, and then I can switch and I can see it from the receiver's perspective or even the referee's perspective. And so it really gives me the ability as a fan to have that choice and control and deeper insight. Um, so we've been on this path. And I think what happened during COVID um, last year is it just really accelerated the demand for digital content um, with this shortage of game content, we had, you know, we, we work, we are installed in 40 venues around the globe. And so these partners came to us and they were like, oh my gosh, our fans are so hungry for sports content. And we want to be able to deliver more to them. So what we were able to do was to go back with some of the um, game footage that we'd captured in the, in the past. And if you capture it once, you can produce it in an infin infinite amount of ways. Um, so we were able to compile some new stories, some new matchups, and these new interesting perspectives of plays to allow teams and leagues to be able to post those on their social channels. And so what we've done is, is we've been working with Zoom to understand the value and the lift and, you know, do fans really engage more with TrueView content versus other standard highlights and, um, it also, you know, tells our partners and potential brand sponsors the value that TrueView content gives um, to fans. And so we have some measurements in place. We have some case studies with Liverpool that shows that we're getting, you know, a three and a half times the lift as compared to some other standard highlights. Um, so it's been super helpful to, to be able to understand those metrics and, um, we're just really excited um, uh, as, as we move forward into this year. I think that there's more opportunities to give even more interactivity into the, into the fan, the fans hands. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I always have to laugh to think about current and future generation of um, game watchers or sports fans and, you know, being able to have that video game type of experience while watching a live sporting event. Uh, your product is really amazing to kind of really bring that to life for uh, a lot of gamers and, and people learning uh, a particular sport. So um, great to hear that that technology has is been creating so much value for not only the viewing audience, but the brand partners and um, your, your obvious obviously your brand in, in terms of bringing that technology to light. So, um, which leads me to my next question. Uh, and this one's for Bob. Bob, you know, prior to, well, Sponsor United is a platform that allows you to kind of um, find what research strategic brands and sponsorship and where, where individuals are spending money, so to speak. What has been the trend in terms of what your platform allows or what the, uh, the change has happened over the past year in terms of what brands are, are, are sponsoring and what platforms they're using? Um, so any other background in terms of what your platform does, please do. I, I once again, butch butchered it in my, my short introduction there. But um, so why don't, you, why don't you go ahead and uh, handle that one? Well, I, I think as, as Amir is almost like the, if you were Google Maps, he's going to tell you the best and fastest way to get from point A to point B and maybe avoid a lot of the pitfalls. Um, what we're trying to be is, is essentially the, the entire Google Maps. So we're trying to sort of just track the, 
infrastructure of everything going on. I think the one constant within the advertising and sponsorship industry has always been change. And certainly the last 15, 18 months has accelerated that change. I think things and innovations that were going to take place just sort of were forced to take place much faster and sort of recognizing that uh, the sponsorship industry ultimately had to evolve to compete with the media and the digital industries uh, in order to survive and thrive. Um, we wanted to sort of be the uh, entity that essentially could track these changes in real time to inform people of how these shifts are taking place. And so fortunately, uh, while all this was going on with this rapid sort of change in how, in how partnerships were done, um, we in, in sort of real time want to see how those shifts are taking place in terms of the assets being utilized, the creative being executed against sort of the things outside of the, the measurement component of that, of like just eyeballs to uh, logos or, you know, sort of the engagement level within that. Uh, we're more generalists of like anything and everything that could be done in a deal. We want to be able to have that information. And so for us, um, you know, there, while there was a, a tremendous amount of change taking place, what you had was this unbalance within the industry where obviously everything sort of shifted out of the physical space into the digital and the media space, um, which created this total unbalance of clutter of people trying to do make goods at the same time, uh, brands that uh, might not have had a uh, saw uh, saw diminishing returns on having their logo sort of on the eighth uh, you know tarp that they necess didn't necessarily need because people knew who some of these brands were. Uh, so there was what was interesting for us was um, the vacuum that was created allowed a lot of emerging and sort of challenger brands and categories to enter the space, which I think one of the reasons we saw that was just the massive amount of uh, venture money that's being spent right now in general in the industry uh, and the amount of uh, M&A that's taking place has sort of infused a lot of these challenger brands that you might not have heard of a few years ago coming in and planting a flag in the ground, seeing that opportunity. With that, though, they brought a philosophy of, of what a challenger brand and industry does. It's, hey, it's not just about buying this, uh, you know, commoditized uh, asset and signage. It's how do we leverage this across multiple channels that's going to drive our business how do we become part of the content that's driven as well? And so one of the uh, one of the really interesting things that we saw were how brands were starting to become part of the story, part of the content. And I think, um, you know, Amir could probably speak to this as well within the social space. Uh, we work with about 97% of the teams and leagues um, utilize our data. One of the things that we heard from them was um, they're having to create additional content. They're having to utilize um, organizations like Intel that can help them enhance their content. Um, and they had to do this in a really fast period of time. And so with that, uh, oftentimes they're relying on their brands to sort of help them storytell, to tell a more authentic story against this. And we even saw leagues like, uh, you know, fan controlled football league is probably a good example of this, where, you know, they were really allowing some of the brands to come in and help to enhance the story or try things that they've never tried before. Um, that was probably one of the biggest things that we saw you know, the, the on-site activation space obviously went down to zero and there was about, uh, about 3,000 brands uh, within major pro sports that had an on-site activation at a physical venue across the 152, 153 teams. Um, it's only back up to about 1,300 brands now, so things are starting to ramp back up a little bit, uh, but certainly very far down. Whereas in the digital space, uh, there was a plus 700 new brands that had entered that space. So we saw obviously sort of a shift over into the digital space. But with that, it wasn't just about 
more banner ads, more video pre-roll, more of the same sort of thing. Uh, I think that's where you started to see some of this uh, web AR, some of these things like, um, you know, I think we saw uh, Pizza Hut just do this the other day. It was with a radio station where, um, you know, if you, uh, if you uh, essentially uh, download there, you can use the box or to download the game, uh, you can get a free pizza or a discount on those things. And so they were sort of bringing value to the table to these sports organizations as well in a big way. Um, so you see just a very big diversification of how these partnerships are coming together now. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that you touched on that because obviously as uh, someone that has, has done much, a lot of work in the concourse space and, you know, with the way sponsorship works um, with the, uh, the venue in itself, did you see a trend in terms of where brands were looking to uh, leverage the team for uh, make good opportunities with these technologies? Uh, you had mentioned the web AR, but any, any insights that your platform allowed to say, hey, you know, maybe this is a new category for us to monitor, uh, given that there, there was uh, a bit of this pause on, on the sporting community? Well, I think the two biggest areas that we saw was uh, brands started to accelerate sort of their um, social causes was big, storytelling was big, co-branded content. Um, I'll, I'll kind of add on to what Amir said around sort of these teams, and I'm a big believer coming from the media space into the team space about 10, 10 years ago about, you know, uh, being sort of a media company. I'd probably take it one step further and say, they're really a content company that has all these different distribution points that are continually changing from TikTok to you know whatever it might be, and I think that that fluidity of how these things are changing is taking place right now. Uh, but one of the biggest things we saw was how do we utilize these organizations to tell more authentic stories within our own control channels, within their channels, or even building channels together. Uh, such as what Under Armour and actually iHeartMedia did. They created a podcast series um, that they sort of built together. So you're starting to see sort of these joint ventures uh, that are coming together to sort of create new ideas. The Philadelphia Eagles launching podcasts as well. Um, that's one of the bigger areas that we've seen. Yep. Great. Well, Donnie, this leads me to you as our resident AI expert. Um, if you could wow. tell the group, <laughs> no pressure, but if you could tell us a little bit about uh, Satisfied Labs and uh, what your platform and engine does and uh, maybe navigate your story in terms of um, knowing that there had been many experiences that you have been able to gamify through your AI channel to where we are and where you've trended to uh, maybe adapt to the environment now. So if you can give us a little bit of background on that, that would be fantastic. Satisfied Labs is a conversational AI platform. Our vision was to essentially white label Google for brands. And we picked sports teams and, and venues as our first tranche. Now we're in a lot of other industries as well. The application though, when you think about Google and all the things that, that it learns, why couldn't the brands learn that directly? So the application is we actually build a team of virtual assistants, all like many AI bots or experts that can digitally converse with the customer and learn a lot about them, either respond with an answer or drive them to a purchase decision. The transformation, not a pivot either, Michelle, I agree with you on that, is the technology learns. So in 2020, when all the live events went another direction, obviously we didn't have to handle a lot of questions about where do I buy a ticket? The questions transitioned to, well, how do I follow this player on TikTok? Or how do I watch or live stream batting practice? Subscriptions, like media subscriptions started to come out. 
So our product has like a venue assistant, there's a parking assistant, then there's ticketing assistant, even a seasoned season uh, holder ticketing assistant. Now there's a media assistant and the engagement section of the AI is growing rapidly as those questions have changed. So we had about 6 million unique questions trained in the system before COVID, 50% new had to be trained. So 3 million new questions had to be trained because the fans journey has changed. Our whole goal was to make information accessible and actionable to manage the customer journey. That customer journey now starts with either a trip plan or an experience plan. So asking questions before, everyone here mentioned new content. Well, how do you make that content accessible? And if you're relying upon a third party engine to do that, you are now blocked from the interaction and the data. By the way, Google's on my board. So don't worry, they, they know I have this story as well and they've invested in it literally. So just as you think about content and think about us, you know, we believe we're making it actionable and accessible because that's the next layer. All these things are coming out. I love what Christy's doing. And there's a lot of cool uh, opportunities there. And then how does the fan get that in their hands quickly? I think that's one of the things that we're focused on in, in the coming months. Absolutely. And so from a technology and messaging standpoint, um, you know, we have moved into this contactless environment, right? And so when you set out your platform uh, using AI as whether a front end experience or just a, a quick messaging um, tool, uh, it's it's interesting now that it's such a um, prominent focal point to the way our lives are probably going to change indefinitely, right? Um, in, in terms of this one-on-one uh, -on -one communication tool with your device without any other contact um, with an individual or some other um, component. And so uh, as we've seen the QR code, for example, an old technology Reemerged as a new and such a prominent technology. Um, we've developed a lot of gesture-based 3D tracking technologies in the past, which now we can, uh, you know, mark from a marketing perspective, call touchless. And uh, but you know, generally um, producing the same type of environment and experience for the fans. So uh, it's really interesting to see how all of our paths, um, you know, moving forward. Uh, some of the things that we have planned for uh, in the past may have not been relevant at that time, but now as we set our path forward, um, they're, they're just more important than uh, when our, our, we initially thought. So um, on the future, before we're, we're going to open it up to the group here, but since we're talking about the future um, and, you know, Amir touched on this earlier about, you know, the uh, the holistic nature of, of what brands and, and companies should be doing and, and thinking about um, in venue at event, as well as the at home digital experience. You know, what excites you guys the most about the technologies that are out there? Bob, you've referenced the Pizza Hut app. We, we have seen that. WebAR is going to be a great tool um, in any environment. So I'd like to ask you guys, you know, is there anything maybe on your roadmap from an Intel or product standpoint from an Intel perspective or uh, Michelle, some of the things that you're hearing from your brand. So I'll, I'll, I'll leave it open to the group here. Uh, I'll, I'll, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Christy. Sure. Uh, I'll, I'll start and just quickly uh, say, yeah, there's a lot of amazing opportunities uh, that we feel like we could explore using volumetric video. Again, if you kind of conceptually understand that we're capturing the play, um, this 3D construction, 
I mean, there are a lot of options where as a fan, you could go and walk around on the field as the play is unfolding around you. Um, and that could be with a VR headset. It could be with a tabletop experience. Um, that's one of the awesome things is that volumetric video can cross a, a stretch across all devices, AR and VR. And so I think that there are a lot of opportunities and we'll look forward to building those out as we learn more about, you know, what are the fans most interested in and engaged in and um, where our customers want to go to. So I think there's a lot of exciting opportunities there. Yeah, absolutely. And it shouldn't go understated. I'm glad that you brought that up in terms of how powerful the Intel platform is in terms of capturing this volumetric video, because in a traditional sense, what that essentially means, as uh, Christy had mentioned, is you're getting filmed from multiple angles in 360 with hundreds of cameras, right? And so Intel has been able to really consolidate all of that workload to a handful of cameras throughout a stadium. And so to kind of um, recreate that in an instant is just mind blowing, even as a technologist to understand like how, um, what's possible and actually what it does at the level and the degree it has. So um, kudos to the Intel team and that's very exciting. So yeah, uh, Michelle, yep. I, I was just gonna add too, I think beyond fan experiences, there's just really exciting use cases that we're exploring as well with partners. I mean, everybody always asks me, well, what about officiating? And of course, uh, coaching, um, player health and safety. We have the ability to do skeletal tracking and with the sensors that are surrounding the field. Um, I think there's a lot we can impact in the entire sports industry beyond fan experiences, um, but it's an amazing place to begin. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead, Michelle. Sure, thank you. Um, I was, what I was going to say is, you know, as brands are starting to talk about what their re-entry strategy looks like, how do they start now to think about, you know, activating in a in, in a live, at a live event again, what I'm most excited about is how much the consumer behavior has changed in, in that utilizing technology is no longer a nice to have, but it's just a part of the everyday experience. So something as simple and something that wasn't, I, I think previously pre-COVID was considered almost dated, but the QR code is now so common and in every single person's daily use that it also is coming in incredibly handy for the live event experience. So there's so many usages of ways to you know, provide again that deeper experience, a deeper connection, behind the scenes content, all sorts of ways to, you know, leverage the ability to be contactless in such a simple technology, but that now is, I mean, my mother can use it when she's at a restaurant, you know, reading a, a menu. And if she can do it, like literally anybody can. So I'm just excited about the fact that we can now leverage these technologies in a way that's very natural and authentic to the experience, as opposed to having to educate people on how to use it on top of all of the other objectives we have to, to reach as a part of that experience. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a really good point. You know, you, you referenced the QR code and bringing old technologies to the new, and we think about future generations and, you know, the, the, 
the amount of sheer um, education that they are being raised on with technology is, is super exciting and how advanced and almost innate. <laughs> it's like there's a little part of their brain that they they just get it out of the, you know, out of the womb. And um, so it's going to be a fascinating future for technology and how we um, connect with the technology. Um, you know, I think you're spot on in how QR codes can drive engagement using, you know, even blending technologies together. And, you know, I reference WebAR um, for the audience, you know, that is a tool that allows brands or technologists to develop AR experiences without the need for any third party download. And so uh, I'm really excited for some of the projects that we have in queue that will be able to leverage volumetric filming and data uh, from, you know, an asset to, to be created in an experience all on web without any heavy lift of a download. And so you don't worry about any level of app fatigue from a consumer standpoint, or, hey, am I going to be challenged with getting people to attend this event and then download that event app specifically where the QR code just breaks down that barrier of entry, right? And so uh, I will give a shout out to one of our clients, the Tennessee Titans, Amir had referenced that, but that's exactly what they did. You know, they, uh, at the end of the summer last year where the NFL was sort of in this um, transition period, they, they kind of ran it up to the schedule. They weren't sure if they were going to allow fans in. And so the Titans did a great job with a community outreach program that they leased a, uh, a building downtown Nashville and they commissioned a local artist and um, they really just highlighted and, and just gave a shout out to the community about the resilience of um, what Tennessee as a state, um, you know, it, it, had to overcome with natural disasters and uh, obviously the start of the season and COVID. And, and so they made it a themed mural, uh, but we were able to make it come to life through augmented reality with simply putting QR um, vinyl stickers on the, on the sidewalk. And so it didn't just speak to a football fan per se. Uh, it allowed any pedestrian or tourist to interact with this mural. So um, really a powerful tool moving forward. So before we move on to questions from the audience, and as a reminder, please um, put those questions in the Q&A here in the webinar. I do see some here on the chat, which I'll read, but uh, anyone else want to kind of speak to the future or do you just want to get right into the questions here? I'd like to throw one thing in there. Uh, one, what what a story of adversity for the QR code, right? The world laughed at it now. I mean, help connect everyone. I'm going to, you know, I got two little kids growing up. I'm going to tell them to be a QR code when they grow up, but uh, believe in themselves. So, no, I, you know, one thing is, it's one, it's the technology is adapting, but then also the people behind the technology, right? And, you know, you saw advancements like uh, Snap just recently, they had a camera that's more inclusive that shows uh, different light tones uh, of, of skin, right, to help pronounce that. And, and we're also seeing more women in sports tech. So I'm going to, I'm, you know, I'm going to have to go for it. women in sports tech. I'm on the board, something I, I'm very proud of, of being affiliated with. But we're seeing more people behind the technologies. And, and that's one thing that there's like a bias that's out there with AI and, and different products, the people creating them. Uh, you have to account for different ways and different types of thoughts behind the people. The more diverse the input is, the more productive and, and greater the output can be. And so, you know, that's one thing that I, I'm very excited about. You know, during the pandemic, we've seen a, a more of a shift in priority in women's sports. We're seeing uh, more uh, uh, just inclusivity that's coming out of this. And with the technologies, we're seeing, you know, uh, just more diversity around this. I mean, it's, you know, this is sports, it's tech. Historically, it's just 
a bunch of white dudes on a panel, right? And we've got some great diversity here. And, yep. and that's, uh, I think that's something we also have to task on ourselves to push even further for technology to go more. I mean, there was a question in, in the Q&A of like, did you guys expect some of this stuff and how has that changed? Uh, you know, we didn't, but like for us to be ready for what's coming next, I think we have to think about how can we get more people in sports technology? How can we have people rethink what we already currently have to make it better, to make it change? You know, Bob said a nice quote, like, you know, the only thing constant is change, right? And it's, it's going to adapt. What we're doing today is going to be different in, in a couple of years from now as well. And to, to get there, to get to the next level, we need more people in here and in this space. So it's not just the technology that's changing. It's also the people behind the scenes building the technology. And, and I think that's one thing that uh, we, we're seeing more focus on. And I think that's a trend that I, I'd like to see more of as well. Absolutely. And it, it always starts with an idea. That's that's step one. And that can a good idea comes anywhere. So I, I definitely appreciate that statement there. Amir. All right. So let's uh, let's open it up to the group here. I'm just going to go ahead and read off some questions. So this is like the live round. All right, panel, are we ready here? OK, the first question is coming in from Greg. Greg, have we seen a decline in team and league spend on outside marketing agencies and services? Are they pivoting? their spend from venue to even more digital. Some of the things we touched on a little bit, but um, Bob, do you want to kind of touch on that one? I feel like you, you have some insight there. Yeah, we work with about 300 brands and, and, and a couple hundred agencies. Um, we have seen uh, from the brand side, uh, in many cases, sort of a cutback, a pause uh, in terms of some of the services uh, that are taking place right now. Um, and, and even within their internal staffs. And I, I think whenever that happens, there's more of a reliance on third-party data services that can sort of fill that gap in the meantime. And I also think it's sort of made, uh, made brands think differently about how their relationships with agencies work and what's truly critical during sort of, I guess, wartime versus peacetime as well and what those needs are. And I think a, a lot of agencies are uh, are, are quickly sort of moving towards serving their clients in a very different way than they have in the past. All right, great. Anyone else want to add color on that one? All right. Next question uh, from an anonymous attendee. How, how have we all seen AR and AI impact your companies since their inception? Uh, Donnie, I feel like that would be a good one for you. <laughs> it was uh, the inception was as an AI company. I think the the thing you don't anticipate is the amount of applications that AI can have. Like AI is such a big word. It's like saying I have a website. I mean, it means a hundred different things, whether it's, you know, AI for what? Like I always ask people, what's your application for AI? Like, is it the video? Is it, you know, picking the right highlight time statistics? I mean, we work with other AI companies even to make our own. So from inception, yes, it was obviously the core of our business. I think it's progressed to a point where now people are looking to buy differently. Transactions are changing. A lot of our focus to answer that is voice AI. So how can you make all this content accessible without seeing? So I might want a highlight sent to my phone, but I just want to ask Siri and I, or I just want to ask Google Assistant my bias today for obvious reasons. So how do we make it all accessible is I think uh, our focus, but it has always been the core. I just think the rush of applications is coming now and, and now we just speak it, whether it's what Amir is doing or what anyone's doing. What is the application of your AI? That's the real question to, to ask. 
Very fair. You know, it's one of the um, sort of qualifying questions that we ask our uh, clients as well when they are tasking us with producing a VR experience or an AR experience, you know, and going through those qualifying questions on like, what does that actually mean? Or what what are you trying to accomplish with these technologies? Um, Christy, did you want to add anything uh, to that note in terms of where Intel's roadmap went? Um, Yeah, I mean... I, I think really with us for AI, again, it's all about what is the application. And I think for us, you know, as we're looking to create new, unique perspectives of the game, um, being able to have AI in the production, um, obviously, um, you know, producers and camera film people understand how to, how to produce the game, but incorporating AI allows us, you know, how do you know where the ball is going to go before it's even thrown out of the hand of a player or kicked into the sidelines. And so those are ways that we see our, our technology continuing to um, get more and more sophisticated with AI. Absolutely. Okay. Moving on to the next question here um, from an anonymous attendee. Do you always plan on utilizing these technologies to drive revenue or were you able to shift your company vision upon the advancement of AR and AI software in the recent past? With that in mind, and based on your daily use of these technologies, where do you see AR and AI in the near future? And how do you see your company continuing to utilize and expand their role to cut costs and drive revenue? I think Donnie, Donnie covered that. Uh, Amir, did you want to reference anything here? Uh, no, I mean, I'll, I'll just nerd out a little bit on AI. I think that, you know, that, and like you said, it's a website. It's the same equivalency. It's the application, but I see the application of it growing and advancing. Maybe not my kids, but their kids, uh, you know, God willing, knock on wood, uh, you know, raised by, you know, teachers that are AIs, right? Helping adapt to understand what, what, what teaches them uh, how to be more effective uh, using the technology from wearables and sports. Uh, you know, all of this is going to continuously advance and it's going to get more and more sophisticated. Um, you know, it, I think it's, it, it's going to be less and less of a, uh, you know, shock or anything of, of the nature of AI. Uh, and, and then to, to the question of, uh, you know, and, and James, I think you'll speak more about this than anyone. I mean, it's like to constantly engage and interact with fans, you constantly have to adapt and, be on the latest innovation and, and find new ways to interact. It might be the same principles of connecting with emotion. You guys had like this really awesome activation I saw uh, just recently with Elvis, right? Who would have thought like Elvis and AR, you know, like what, they, like Elvis, I'm thinking like the oldest thing in the book, but like, and, and, and there was like Elvis serenading people like, it's, I mean, it's, it's constantly evolving. It's constantly changing. It's not that we were looking out to build AI or AR. It's we're looking to solve a problem for our customers. We're looking to solve a problem for humanity, right? There's something that's out there that we're trying to change. And we're going to use the most latest and, and, and uh, innovative tools at our dispersal to, to integrate that, to build it, to make it happen. I think it's, it's more about uh, adaptability, less about like the, the technologies. And we're talking about them because right now they're the latest and greatest, but you have to constantly be, have your finger on the pulse, constantly educate yourself, constantly listen, like, you know, what, what Donnie's doing with Satisfy Labs, you know, Google's got an interest in it, right? That, that's something that uh, he's sharing that because we think of Google as the end all be all. And if they're interested in it, you should be too, right? All of this technology is just, it's just a matter of 
adapting and understanding. And to do that, you just have to constantly be listening to your customer or the problem that you're solving it for. You know, for our side, we didn't set out to be an AI company, but we just listened to the challenges that our, our customers were presenting us with. And we looked at how do we build to answer what they need? How do we build, bring ones and zeros to like, you know, from, from Uber and Lyft, you know, hailing taxis, they created apps to, to, to make it something that now we get in strangers of cars that we've been on the internet, something we would have never done 20 years ago. So it's, it's, it's constantly going to adapt. It's constantly going to change, but the, the best solution or the best way I can answer that is you have to constantly be talking to your customer, understanding what their problems are, and then just staying on top of how, you know, these, these tool sets are changing. You may not have used Uber, but I've seen you hitchhike down 95 in the past. So, I mean, it's just the way the technology has moved us forward from less risk, right? Uh, but you do bring up a good point in terms of leveraging technologies, these in particular, to um, solve a problem for an individual, a brand, or a consumer. And so you had referenced Graceland, and that was exactly it. They came to us and said, you know, listen, we have an aging fan base. You know, what technologies could we integrate into our complex that can draw a new generation of fans. And so, um, you know, that's exactly what we accomplished um, for them with an array of technologies ranging from, you know, tactical um, gesture-based experiences to a, a host of AR and, and VR experiences. So, um, yeah, it's spot on with that. Right. Next question uh, happens to be a VR question, and this is from Connor Gates. With the increase in popularity of VR headsets, as well as users being able to attend sporting events virtually, do you think there will be a time where companies can buy advertisements within the virtual, virtual reality world? If so, what do you think this could look like? Great question. Um, I could probably take a crack at that. Um, you know, we're already seeing advertising in the virtual world uh, related to apps and NBA 2K and other sporting events that takes place. And I think uh, it was maybe it was Amir Don that mentioned um, uh, Drive to Survive. And, and, you know, there's an extension of that with the Formula One racing app and the logos that you see within there. So this is something that's already been done in other places. Really what it comes down to is you, you have to have the audience to make it relevant for the advertisers, you know? So the, the thing that happen, has to happen first is there needs to be a scale of engagement and usage uh, within these, these different platforms, whether it's virtual reality or, or any sort of app or digital world. Uh, if the audience is there, brands will follow. Um, and you'll, you'll have brands that'll be early adopters to that space. So it's already been done in other places. So I, I see the, the transition into that world pretty seamless. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the first insight in that is esports, right? And you see the power that the publishers have in these gaming studios that um, the in-app purchases and the ability for viewers or participants to engage and now sponsorship is getting involved in the digital or metaverse, if you will, uh, within esports e uh, e is, is a good insight to the future on where brands are going to integrate. I think VR live streaming sporting events, uh, the technology still needs to needs a couple of years before it becomes a real scalable and viable option, but without question that the capability is there. And that's, that's a trend that we're, we're certainly going to see um, with the North Star somewhat um, driven by esports. All right. So we, we probably have time for one more question. Um, just looking here, um, what has been the best use of AR AI that you've seen in the marketplace, whether it's one of your companies or outside? Uh, 
Right, well, uh, Bob already said Pizza Hut. That, that, that was one of your... I, you know, I, I'll use an example um, because sometimes these executions fall flat and sometimes they work well. And I saw, I, it was not in, per, in person, but on YouTube, I saw at um, AT&T Cowboy Stadium, they had an AR fan experience there um, in the stadium where you could actually go and pose with your favorite player and then post it out socially. And it was just, it, it looked really fun and it was really well done. And it, it, you know, allowed for more social engagement with friends. And so I thought that was a really well done execution. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the power of an experience that had preexisted or a technology that had been reincarnated and certainly went viral because of the stage that it was on. And um, yeah, great execution uh, all the way around. Michelle, did you want to? Um... I was just going to build on that with Christy actually took the same example I had. And, and I think we've seen it now with um, some other teams. The Saints did something similar uh, last season as well. And, and I think one of the, the parts that make it so successful is tapping into the talent and really leveraging the fandom of the, the team, but particularly the, the players is, you know, and that I think that's really helped with seeing sort of the scalability and um, an overall, you know, sort of success and results of, of that type of, of an activation. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure you can appreciate this from a production standpoint. We had a, developed an experience like that for the Clippers, but we were uh, shoehorning media day as our way to capture the players. And so we literally had agents with a 30 second clock, you know, telling us when we could film. So there wasn't much interaction, but we made it work. It was a great experience and um, Clippers fan enjoyed it uh, all last season. So, so we are at our time guys. Thank you so much. This has been really insightful, really fun uh, as our inaugural, uh, web webinar. So I, I hope to see you guys soon. Um, the audience members, thank you. Please reach out. You have, we can uh, circulate the contact information for each of our panelists, but maybe why don't we conclude there? So uh, starting with Michelle, one, if, if you want to, um, you know, provide any contact information, any Twitter handles or anything like that, just, or if not, just say goodbye. <laughs> or just through LinkedIn is a great way to, to connect. So um, easy enough. I'm right there. So feel free to reach out. All right. Uh, Christy. Yeah. Same here. Christy Stahl. You can find me on LinkedIn, Intel sports. I'll probably pop up. Okay. And, and you can tell by Amir's background, he's big on social and gaming. So where, where there we go. <laughs> no, I, I, you mentioned failed technologies. And I had to pull this thing out. Yeah. I mean, cause like Google glass was pretty cool at one point, actually it was probably never cool, but uh, I, I think where we're going, where we're going though, like with when Apple gets into it and what Snap is building on the back end with like, you know, some of these digital, there's like Twitter accounts to share, but I'll, I'll shut up. I know the show's over. So <laughs> Zenozi on all things social, uh, tweet me, let's talk, let's have fun. All right, Bob. Uh, I'm only on LinkedIn. So Bob Lee, <laughs> United, should be pretty easy to find. I'm always looking for page views. So I'm probably posting something. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And Donnie. Yeah, Don at satisfywithanilabs.com, LinkedIn as well. And the phone number of the company is my cell. So please don't call the office. I get <laughs> telemarketed to death as it is. All right, wonderful. And I'm James Giglio. You can find me at James Giglio everywhere. And um, thank you so much. And until next time, we'll see you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.